Hey, Will, like I normally do, I just want to take a moment to tell our listeners to make sure they hit us up on social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you might see us. Make sure you're sending us something. Also, you can email us directly at AppalachiaMeetsWorld at gmail.com. If you get a moment, shoot us a line, give us some feedback. Yeah, and wherever you listen to the podcast, make sure you subscribe to Appalachia Meets World. It just helps our podcast, but it also helps you know when we're releasing a new episode. You know, you've got to be planted and know who you are talking with, know who you are talking about, and understand their situation. You're telling their story. You're not telling your story based on what you hear. You're telling their story. Appalachia Meets World, a podcast about place and perspective, but always Appalachian. And don't forget, Will, tonight's episode is powered by SOAR. Shaping our Appalachian region. If you're an entrepreneur out there, especially in eastern Kentucky, check them out. Appalachia meets world. We're back another week. It's Will. And Neil. What's up, my man? What's going on? Not much, man. Not much. Just taking it all in. Looking forward to this episode. I can tell you that. I know we talked about fried chicken day last week. Well, this Sunday is National Ice Cream Day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My kids will celebrate, but uh, I, I probably. <laughs> Are you an ice cream guy? You know, I have my favorites. I'm not, I'm not a huge ice cream guy. Like I don't crave it. I don't have to have it, but there is one particular type of ice cream that I, I love and it's the Heath blizzard. Mm. Well, well, I take that back. The Heath blizzard is my favorite. Like it's my go-to if I was going to eat ice cream, that's where I'm going. But there's Mm -hmm. a place in East Haven, Connecticut, it's a little hole in the wall. It's called Jennifer's. And they have this ice cream called Peanut Butter Crunch. They make their ice cream every day, handmade ice cream. But this is the best ice cream I've ever had. And you can't get it anywhere except at this little hole in the wall establishment. So I, I can never get it. So, yeah, my go-to is Heath Blizzard. How about you? So here's my theory on blizzards. Every time I go to Dairy Queen... I see one on the list. And I'm like, oh, that looks good. Oh, I, I think I would like that. Oh, I, that's a new one. That might be pretty good. And then every time I get it, I'm so disappointed. Exactly. I, I should have just freaking stuck with the Oreo. <laughs> that's my exact thought process. <laughs> that's why I always get the heat. Because I know I'm not going to be disappointed. And if I'm going all in and eating ice cream, I don't want to be disappointed. Right. Like, I don't want to waste calories or waste uh, space in the stomach on an ice cream that I really don't like. Exactly. I love the thought process there, Neil. (laughs) So I just get uh, I just get Oreo just about every time. All right. Well, Sunday, you can go for the Oreo. I'll go for the heat. Uh, also wanted to say this week, did you see the Emmy nominations came out? I know you're a big fan of these award shows. <laughs> no, I didn't. I did well, see I, the ESPYs this week. I know, yeah, the ESPYs for this week, too. I didn't really yeah. watch. But I wanted yeah. to ask you, there, there are four shows that were the top nominees. 
I want to ask if you've even heard of the top four. Oh, this is going to be good. It's not even not even like watched. I just want to know if you've even heard of them. <laughs> All right, go. The first one is Succession. Yes, have heard of it. Okay, but have you seen it? No. I've never seen it either. I hear big things from Succession. I'd like to watch it. It it got 27 nominations. The next one is The Last of Us. Never heard of it. (laughs) Not not surprised. (laughs) It got 24 nominations. (laughs) Okay. Next one was a big one. It's been all the rage the last couple of years. I think it was in season two, The White Lotus. I have heard of it. Not watched it. Yeah. I've heard it. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Another one you yeah. haven't watched. And yeah. the last one, you I know you've heard of this one. I've just wondered if you ever watched it. Ted Lasso. Yes. And I actually started watching it upon your recommendation. I have seen like four or five episodes. It's good. I like it. It's hilarious, right? It's hilarious. Yeah. But it's even beyond the funny. Like it's sentimental. You yeah. I mean? Got a good storyline. Yeah. I like Ted. Well, I, I like that you at least one of them that you have seen. So Ted Lasso, because it has to do with sports. But another show that came out this week that I know you will probably view. Have you seen or have you heard of the new Netflix documentary, Quarterback? Well, you know I have. <laughs> uh, I've been actually – excited and like a couple weeks back I knew it was coming out and I like text my kids hey you guys might want to watch this too they were like dad it's not out yet we're waiting on it like they already knew too (laughs) so of course of course and I've and you know I've already seen episode one it follows Marcus Mariota Kirk Cousins and Patrick Mahomes uh, from last season and it's it's gonna be great I mean like Peyton Manning said in episode one, it's the hardest position on earth to play. Think about that. Peyton Manning, who has experience, told America, told the world, it's the hardest job on earth to be an NFL quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Omaha Productions. Uh, I like his production company, <laughs> Omaha. Yeah. I know, it's the best. But, yeah, man, you know it's going to be great. It's going to be a Netflix instant hit. I'm going to watch – the whole season probably this weekend <laughs> you're gonna binge watch it so i was I, I haven't watched it but how was how was episode one? Oh, it was good it was good gave you some insight into into those three guys all kind of different stages i guess i mean well you know marcus marriott is trying to make it really i mean he's not really established kirk cousins is an established nfl quarterback and then Patrick Mahomes, of course, is a superstar. So does it take you off the field too? Like this going through their oh, house? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's like well, what I saw in episode one showed uh Patrick Mahomes' 27th birthday party. That that's a perfect segue into our guest tonight, which we'll get into later. But I also wanted to point out if you binge watch it this weekend, then next month you can check out on Netflix the untold Johnny Football story. Oh, that's coming out. The Johnny Manziel documentary. Oh, Manziel keeps finding ways to make money. That's going to be. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's coming out in August. You can check that out, too. All right, man. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, since we're talking about national holidays, you failed to mention yesterday's national holiday. Uh, I wouldn't consider it a national holiday. Oh, of course it is. All of our listeners consider it a national holiday. 
yesterday was Big Will's birthday. Hey! Y'all reach out. Make sure you tell him happy birthday, and I hope y'all enjoy this episode. (laughs) You got any app news for us tonight? Seen a lot of grant funding. We talk about a lot of funding on here, a lot of funding opportunities, but I've seen a lot of collaboration in regards to funding. We've talked about the Arise program with the ARC, but in Ashtabula County, which is a county over from me here in Northeast Ohio, part of the Appalachian region, Ohio has, we've talked about before, allotted 500 million to Appalachia counties, and they are working collaboratively with their cities within their county to apply for these ARPA funds. I think these federal funding, these state funding programs are bringing people together to realize that working together is much better than working separately. And they're also working with some private entities to build that public-private partnership. I just wanted to mention that and what Ashtabula County is doing. We've had Ashtabula County on the program before. Also, I wanted to mention, we've mentioned it before and we'll mention it again, but the ARC 2023 conference Appalachia Rises will convene on September 11th and 12th in Ashland, Kentucky. So you're able to register for that. We'll post it in the show notes. Get online and register if you can be there. Check it out. Also, I wanted to mention something that's happening in a few weeks. CreatorCon is happening in the Appalachian region. An entrepreneur-focused event by Ryan Jones. We've talked about his company, his doing good company on here before. CreatorCon is an educational conference for entrepreneurs and creators to network, share ideas, and take away actionable items to grow. I feel like it's a cool thing that they're trying to do to try to bring entrepreneurs together to network. It's taking place on August 23rd and 24th in Norton, Virginia. Tickets are available now. You can get the early bird price online. We'll post it in the show notes. It's just a cool event we wanted to mention. Also, you know, we've been talking about media the last couple of episodes. I know this is not Appalachian news, but the New York Times has disbanded the sports department entirely. They're completely getting rid of their sports department. I mean, we talk about local news closing, local newspapers, especially print, closing all over. But when the New York Times is disbanding their entire sports department, I feel like that's a big deal and big news to just to show you how much print has declined over the last several years and and what it's leading to. I don't know if you saw that. I did not. It's definitely relevant to what we're talking about with, uh, you know, the the transition or the change in in media and how it's occurring and continues to to change over time. But that's a big deal. Uh, No sports department at the New York Times. I mean, did you ever think you'd live to hear that? No, not at all. I mean, 30, 40, I don't know how many, 50 people that work there, they said they're going to move him into different departments, that they won't get fired, which I don't know if that's really the truth, but that they won't be covering sports for the New York Times anymore. It's very relevant for our guest today. And I wanted to juxtapose that with the Northwestern stuff that has come out. Have you seen that in regards to hazing with the football team at Northwestern? Yeah, man, that's pretty shocking as well. Yeah, and I say that because 
the people who wrote about that, who uncovered that, were the local journalists at Northwestern. You know, they have a pretty prominent um, journalism program there at Northwestern. If it hadn't been for those, we'll call them local journalists or university journalists, this may have never been uncovered. And I just wanted to relate that to local journalism and how important local journalism is to communities people that are from the communities that are in the communities to really report on the news and the coverage that they know what's going on from the ground up yeah for sure will Let, let's get into this discussion with our local journalist uh that we're going to have on tonight let's do that and see what he thinks about local journalism he is a sports director, producer, longtime sports director, producer in the mountains at WYMT. Now he's at WKYT. But without further ado, Mr. Brian Milam, you want to get him on here? Yeah, let's do it. My favorite. On the episode today, we have a special guest, Brian Milan. He is the sports director of WKYT that covers Lexington and Central and Eastern Kentucky. He is a Kentucky high school sports historian, a proud Butler Bear, and a proud Moorhead State Eagle. He's also the former sportscaster for WYMT Mountain News, where he hosted Sports overtime on Friday nights, which is a favorite of Neil's. So, Brian, we wanted to uh, thank you for being on the show today as as really a news and media expert from the mountains. Well, don't give me too much credit now. I mean, again, expert, no. Fan of everything that I get to watch on Fridays and Saturdays, yes. I have an odd story. You know, Every time you watch a commercial or someone will say nine out of 10 doctors agree, I'm the one, you know, I'm the, <laughs> always the anomaly to the rule. And I got a job. I was at Moorhead State and I got on at YMT in uh, January 2nd of 98. I got hired two or three weeks earlier. <laughs> Tony Turner, our news director at that time and main anchor uh, for the for the news, he said, I need a male anchor and a male reporter. The internet, mind you, in November, December of 97 was not what it is in July of 2023. <laughs> and so only 14 people applied for the job. <laughs> 13 women, one guy. <laughs> so I won the lottery by default. You know, hired by default. <laughs> I was hired by default, and also uh, the general manager, the regional general manager uh, at WKYT, and for the stations inside the state, uh, Wayne Martin, former Moorhead State basketball guy. He heard I went to Moorhead. He goes, "Yeah, sign him up. He's good to go. He's good people." <laughs> I was so bad, but they didn't know that. You know, it's kind of that. Uh, we'll take a flyer on the rookie and see how it pans out. <laughs> it's, it's panned out all right. It, it took me a long time, but and uh, I would not be on this um, conversation with you had it not been for patience from people much wiser than I was at that time or am now, 25 years later. But the experiences I got traveling the Daniel Boone Parkway, the Hal Rogers Parkway, whatever parkway you want to call it, 
I-75, the Mountain Parkway up towards Prestonsburg and places in between, I, I would not be the person I am today if it was not from that 1998 to 2010 run that I had in Eastern Kentucky. That's great. And, and we want to dive into that. But we also wanted to ask you a quick question that we ask everyone to start off our episodes. As most Appalachians are big on history, big on tradition, our family, we are as well. We have appetizers at the holidays, like this gigantic spread, huge table of appetizers, bigger than the actual meal. So we wanted to ask you, if you have a favorite appetizer, or just holiday dish. Um, when my grandmother was alive, I have a peanut allergy. So she would make her sweet potato casserole, one side nuts, the other side with marshmallows. <laughs> and everybody knew not to touch the side with the marshmallows because that was for me. And the way a grandmother has that special touch that men will never know, we can try, but we'll never have that special love that goes into that recipe or to that dish, that is still by far my favorite. Uh, that was my favorite dish to look forward to. And I give credit to my uncle. He has tried and he's come close, <laughs> but it still is missing that Helen Milam bit of whatever expertise she put into that. And uh, that, that's still my favorite, always will be when it comes time for the holidays. Well, you, you've talked about it a little bit, Brian, but just to get back into to the sports side of it, what what drew you to sports media? I know you said that, you know, you were the only person that applied that was a male that got that job at WIMT, but why even apply? What what drew you to that that world? My dad was a high school baseball coach, U.S. history teacher, um, English journalism at one time, and when I got to college, I did not, um, I did not major in academics. I was majoring in baseball for a while. And then comes that time where, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? Oh, I really have to answer that question right now. Yeah, you do. So what do I know? I know sports. I know. So I know things like you guys do. We all guys know things about things. No one else should know about, you know? <laughs> and so I had that part. My dad was a writer and a, pre and a presenter, and, so, and I kind of grabbed some of that, too. And I thought, well, I'll give this a crack. And my, my mother, Kathy, she always said, I, she goes, you were made to be on TV just because you're so silly and goofy and this and that. I went, okay, so I should be a comedian. So I just got into it. And the next thing you know, I pay attention to a lot more detail from the Lexington TV stations uh, from the Huntington TV stations being up in Moorhead, we got a little bit of everything. And then when I dated a girl from Knott County, I found out about YMT. I would go to visit her and her family on the weekends. I thought, well, what's this? This is maybe a great way to get into the business. And that's what drew me is the fact that really I had nowhere else to go because I had not prepared myself for anything after baseball. I mean, we're going to play forever, right? You know, some of us are going to wear number 10 and run around the field and throw for 6,000 yards, 7,000 yards, all this stuff. And but at some point you got to hang it up. And when that reality hit me that I probably only have two years of baseball left in me, so I better find something. And lo and behold, it fell into my lap. It's not because I went after it. I have been very blessed. Again, I'm that guy, the anomaly to the rule. I have never written a resume. I had one resume tape that 
uh, I had to do when I was in college. Other than that, I have been blessed with the amazing talent to be in the right place at the right time. And it's not a talent. It's just pure luck. But sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And then while you're getting lucky, you get good, too. I like the fact that you said you hung him up because I don't think Neil, I I still don't think Neil has, or at least in his head, he hasn't hung him up. Mentally, we never do. I watch the Reds play right now. I watch, I go to high school baseball games and uh, playing baseball at Moorhead and I go to college games and you become an athlete again in your mind. You start thinking the game. Okay. Second and third, nobody out. Corners are up, the middle infield's back, the left fielder's shaded toward the line. I mean, you start, you know, it's like that the movie A Beautiful Mind where you start seeing all that stuff, <laughs> and only you know what the heck you're looking at, and only you know what the heck you're thinking about, and then you wonder, okay, well, if the ball's hit here, what do I do with the ball? What am I teaching that third baseman to do? Is he going to check the runner? Is he going to pick it up and go straight to first? Does the first baseman have a good arm? Is he going to be able to come off the bag? Is he lefty or righty? Because if he's lefty, the ball's going to tail away. I mean, you start thinking about all this stuff. And I'm getting excited thinking about it now. I still play the game in my mind the way I would if I was still playing. I, I wanted to ask you, Brian, historically, the media hasn't always been that – generous to Appalachia or especially to Eastern Kentucky. You you talked about your importance of working at WYMT and how, how, how important that was to you. But a lot of the times media can extract, have extracted stories, have been a very extractive economy for Appalachia. A lot of these parachute reporters have come into the region. How do you think media impacts Appalachia? And how is it how important is it to have the WIMTs and the local news stations for regions like that? It is vital because prior to October of 85, the only times any the only time anybody really went to the mountains was 99% negative. There's been a, a mining disaster. Coal miners are on strike. Uh, there's been some kind of a natural disaster in eastern Kentucky. Uh, very few times did anybody venture past London, Corbin, uh, Mount Vernon. You know, they just didn't go. Once the, once the topography got a little higher, uh, we'll just sit back here. The drive got a little bit longer. When Ralph Gabbard, who created WYMT, was also the general manager at WKYT until he passed in the mid-90s, he created that. He saw a need for it. And I would I would give anything to be able to go back to 85, 86, 87, 88, that first three or four years when people were flocking to WYMT. I bet the ratings were off the chart because, yeah, you did see the bad stuff. You have to report that. But you got to see the good stuff. You got to see the great people of Eastern Kentucky. Yeah, it's easy to it's easy to go in with your story written and get the sound bites you need to fit your narrative. And that is the way the majority of the nation looks at Eastern Kentucky and West Virginia, Southwest Virginia, Northeast Tennessee, East Tennessee. That's the way they look at it. And you're not going to change their mind. And, and I remember one of the first stories I had to do in 1998, the New York Times came to Owsley County and said that Boonville was nothing short of a third world country. And my job that day was to go and prove it was different than what the story said. Now, when I'm going to Owsley County, which has been one of the three poorest counties in the United States several times in the last 25 years, it was tough. 
But, you know, there are things other, there are many other things positive than just looking at, well, there's a poor people, there's poor people, they've got a drug problem, they've got this. You have to find the good stuff because anybody can have low hanging fruit. But as we also know, the, the, the sweetest fruits at the top of the tree. And sometimes people don't want to climb the tree to get it. So, so to that point, what, what did WYMT teach you about the mountains? Oh, man, you don't make me emotional here. Um, <laughs> it taught me that everybody has a story. It's every community, while they are bonded by their geography, they're all different and they're all proud. They have strengths, they have weaknesses, but I got to know so many people. And that's what I still to this day could not care less about ratings, could not care less about winning awards. My satisfaction is seeing people and they say, hey, thank you. That's the award I get. That's my reward. And that's all I care about. Did I do a good job? Did I present you in a fair situation? Yes or no? Well, if I didn't, tell me what I messed up on. And very few times, once you get into the family's home and you become a part of that community, and you have to do it sometimes athlete by athlete, family by family, once they adopt you, which they did for me, they adopted me from Whitesburg to Somerset to London to Louisa to Log Mountain to places in between. But it is a great feeling to know that when you show up and people say, how are you, Brian? Good to see you. It's not, what's he doing here? Uh Uh-oh, there's a problem. One thing that sports gives you, I mean, what's one of the worst things that can happen in the world of sports? A coach gets fired. Yes, there have been athletes that pass away unexpectedly, and that's terrible. But when you do the the good work, when the bad stuff comes around, People will feel like they can talk to you because they know you and they know you're not going to embellish the situation and blow it up bigger than what it is. But the people taught me who they were. It's very important to listen to what they say, see what they do, and you don't speak unless spoken to first. There are fundamentals. If you want to learn about people, you have to shut up and listen to what they say because they know them a lot more than you know them. Yeah, I love those past two answers. I mean, much like the reason that we started this podcast were, were to dispel some of the misconceptions about Appalachia, but really to celebrate the region, to talk about the positives, to highlight the diversity, uh, the people, the experiences in the region. It sounds like you feel it important for news agencies, for journalists, for anchors to really be invested in the communities that they are reporting on. Is that, is that what I'm hearing from? Oh yeah. You have to be, if you just, I I have worked with people before that told me to my face, as soon as I get a job, I already have one foot out the door looking for my next job. Well, if you don't do your first job, well, how do you know that you're not going to get your foot caught in the door when they shut it on you? You know, you've got to be planted and know who you are talking with, know who you are talking about, and understand their situation. You're telling their story. You're not telling your story based on what you hear. You're telling their story. And Eastern Kentucky has many flaws. Yeah, we know. But guess what? So does Lexington. So does Louisville. So does New York, Chicago, L.A., Miami. We could go up and down the list. But when you think of Chicago or New York, Very few times is the first thing that comes to mind, something negative. 
you talk about Eastern Kentucky and, and almost to a person outside of Appalachia. Oh yeah. They got the hillbillies, uh, Hatfields, McCoys, you know, they're feuding families. Like, oh, come on. There's so much more than that. You just, it's easy just to read the headlines and not read the story. It, it's so weird, Brian. I, I feel like, Listening to you, I feel like I'm watching the news. You have, you have the perfect yeah, right. voice for the news. And I wanted to ask you about that. I wanted to ask you about accents. Um, oh, yeah. Does it, does it play a role in how people advance in news media? And are, are Appalachians really with that accent like Neil and I have? Do they, do they get overlooked simply because of their accents or where they're from? I think sometimes it's easy to look at somebody and say, wow, they, they have a thick accent. I think an accent is one of the coolest things that defines where you're from. It doesn't define who you are, but it can define where you're from. Uh, you know, Bill Bryant, our main anchor now, he's been at KYT for 30, gosh, almost 40 years, I guess. Yeah. And he's got that Williamsburg twang that everybody like, hello, everybody, Bill Bryant here. Who, how are you? Now, you take Bill off of KYT and go put him in Kansas City. Yeah, he may stick out a little bit, but he also knows he is the most intelligent, respected political analyst reporter I've ever seen. It, it's easy to do that. But I tell you what, I went from the city to the country to get rid of a country accent. Now think about that. That didn't play, that, that didn't process. But I, I promise you, we won the region my senior year in baseball, 1992. And I did an interview and I also did an interview the year before. And you would have thought this guy is straight out of some holler, some branch, some back roads, Kentucky place you've never heard of. I was so high pitch there, man. I'll tell you what there, buddy. It was, uh, it was very nasally. And then, you know, listening to others and watching others, it finally, it, uh, it just kind of came about. I guess I just, I guess I hit, I hit a second puberty late and it just, everything started to, to get a little deeper, I guess. Is that something you learned in school? Do they teach that in, in broadcasting or journalism or? When I went to Moorhead State and I got to YMT, after six months, my dad said, so tell me, son, what'd you learn? I said, I learned, I didn't learn anything the way it really is because we were being taught at that time. We were being taught by interns, classmates who were interning at KYT and WLEX and places in Louisville, WSAZ and Huntington, Knoxville maybe, and then coming back and teaching us what they had learned, but they still didn't know really. They had never had their hands dirty. It's kind of like, yeah, I could tell Neil how to be a quarterback. You know how many passing yards I've had in my career? <laughs> uh, so Neil, so let me ask you, that's why when players play and they get analyzed by people who never play, it ticks them off a little bit, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. when I got to Moorhead, they didn't tell me anything about enunciation, uh, pronouncing words, using this. I had a professor, the name was uh, David Collins. He had a great voice. He would bring the voice from way down deep. I mean, it was like, man, he's like James Earl Jones or something, you know, had this great voice. And he would say, because the internet came into existence, really started to pick up steam in the late 90s. And everything, if you remember back then, you didn't say ESPN.com, WKYT, it was www. Give me the address. And he would always say, it is not www. 
There is no letter called W. It's W, 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 W. And he said, I want you to go home tonight and dribble the letter W off of your tongue and say a W, W, W. And here it is 28 years later. And I hear someone say, W, it's W, W, W. You start bouncing it just like a basketball, W, 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 you know, hitting the speed bag with, with certain letters. He taught me how to enunciate certain things. But at the end of the day, I could get past all of that. We've seen, we've seen people on TV, the radio, who sound horrible. But what they say is a lot more important than the accent they say it with. True, true. Switching from all this news, like important stuff. Yeah. What do you think about the, uh, the 13th region finally winning a baseball state championship? You know, there have been, that I can find, only two other teams in the history of Eastern Kentucky athletics that has won, that have won 39 games in a season. Whitesburg, girls basketball, 1983, went 39-1. They could not complete the perfect 40-0 season. Lost in the state championship game. Wow. 2001, North Laurel softball. Did win. They got to the state at 34 and 5, finished at 39 and 5. Now to have Whitley County join them in that prestigious group and then having a baseball state title. And and again, knowing who the coach is for me, I don't know the players that well. I'm up in Lexington, you know, don't get to see Whitley County that much, but I know Jeremy Shope. And I met him when he was at Mercer County and he took two teams to the state title. I am so happy for him. And yeah, I was crying with him after the game was over. I was bawling because I also know Jeremy's dad and I know Jeremy's brother, Frank, because he played at Harlan and went on to university of the Cumberlands and played and his dad's the bus driver. I knew them a lot longer than I knew Jeremy, but I was so happy for him now to bring it into the 13th region, a program or a region that has never won a baseball state title, been close couple of teams in Harlan County, Hall High School, went to the 1955 and I think 57 state championship games, lost. Corbin went to the 94 championship game, led 6-0 after the top of the first inning, but then lost to PRP 10-8. Middlesbrough had some great teams in the late 90s, early 2000s, got to the Final Four, never won it. Clay County, 97, ran into the Harrison County buzzsaw, didn't win it. And you just think, man, what's it going to take for somebody to do this? And it, it, there are so many factors that have to come into play. But for an area so starved for championships, it, it's a beautiful thing. It really is because it's not an all-A state title. Those are great. But it's the overall state champion. For the, for the rest of the history of this world, Whitley County baseball is going to be 2023 state champions. And they beat every. They beat the best teams they could play to get there, and and to do it, it's just a phenomenal feat. I'm so happy for Jeremy. I'm so happy for uh, Whitley County, their first state title uh, since the '85 Girls Sweet 16 when Coach Reigns won, and uh, you know football was close. Coach Black had him in the state semifinals. Had the big mighty Bluebirds from up north flew down south and took care of business. But uh, gosh, man, it is it is awesome. To not just win a region, that's great enough, but to mm -hmm. win the whole show. I, I, I just could not stop talking about Coach Chopin, what I got to see and the gutsy moves he made and how those kids just stayed calm the whole time.
until that yeah. final out, and then they just let it go. You're blowing my mind. Like, I want our <laughs> listeners to know that we don't send these questions out beforehand, and Brian is not looking at any notes. No. You truly are like Kentucky High School sports historian. <laughs> I love, I love high school sports. If I could quit my job right now and specialize, and I've, I've even talked about it with uh, Coach Davis at South Laurel and some other people say, you know, I may just relocate to Corbin, to, to London, to who knows where, and just do what I want to do. You know, when I saw Mike Fields write and Bob White from the Courier Journal when I was young, they got to specialize on high school athletics. I enjoy what I do. I used to love what I do. Now I just enjoy it a lot. But I have to get spread through UK, Moorhead State, EKU, Transylvania, Midway, Center College. Um, oh, yeah, more UK, uh, more UK, and more UK. And then, yeah, we'll touch on Louisville, and then we'll get to U-Pike and the Cumberlands Union. It's like, man, it's like uh, Georgetown. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, but my bread is I would rather butter my bread with Georgetown Transy Center and the other smaller schools in the high school level than just constantly talk about a team that everybody talks about. Do something different. Talk about the teams in Eastern Kentucky, South Central Kentucky. You know, the high school route is it's beautiful because so many people never play after high school. Everybody roots for UK. That's fine. You know, I want to talk about the teams that that are no longer around like that Hall High School in Harlan County and Everts and Cumberland and Kaywood and Whitesburg and Fleming Neon and teams like that. And, and the people who help create those communities and those schools that get, that turns my tumblers, man, I get going and I can't stop. And yeah, I've read the record book a few trillion times and kind of just know certain things. And it, you, you would, you would be shocked probably if you saw my nighttime habits when I go home and I get in front of the computer and I've got, the high school football folder here, the softball folder, the basketball, the girls' basketball. One of my vices is newspapers.com. It's the best $10 a month you will spend. You can look up newspapers from the last 200 years across the country. And so what do I do? I go to the Sweet 16, pull every article and start reading and writing, and then, you know, break out my little magazines from 1991 that's got Jermaine Brown on it and Ida Bowen and I've got a library at the house that I just don't want everyone to leave sometimes. It's like, I got to go to work now. I thought I had been working. <laughs> you know, you've been working in the field a long time. Have you seen it change? Uh, you, you know, we're inundated with news now, uh, whether it be traditional news, whether it be from Facebook, whether it be misinformation, it's just everywhere now. Have you seen your specific type of media change over the years? And have you seen media in general change throughout the course of your career? Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it is changing for the worse, I think, um, because everybody is just trying to get the clicks and the likes and the hearts and the swipe rights and the this and the that is like, okay, but are you paying attention to what's going on? This is where I start to show my age. I'll be 50 next April. But I grew up in a history family. I said some, I said the other day to someone, I said, Kaywood Ledford. Who? <laughs> I said, Kenny Walker. Um, did he play at UK? Uh, Daryl Griffith. Dr. Duncan Stein. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. But they can tell you everything that happened on the Kardashian show last night or <laughs> last week and, and stuff that doesn't matter. 
you know, I, I, we had a, bless her heart, we had a girl here at the station, said um, to Dave Baker last week, said, uh, yeah, there's a guy named uh, John Bench, Johnny Bench. You know him? <laughs> Come on, man. You kidding me? And this is where I get, I get flustered because to know where you're going to go, you better know where, who's kind of set the table before you a little bit. And I, some, one, one of my coworkers makes fun of me a lot because we would, we would have girls in here and guys in here who want to be in sports. And I'd say, okay, simple question, simple debate. Here's how you can make your way, or you can get blown up in a half a second and no one will ever think of you again, except in a funny and a negative way. So I'm going to interview Neil right now. Neil, if you are a 23-year-old, 24-year-old aspiring reporter, odds are who is your favorite quarterback of the last 15 years? Well, they're going to answer it incorrectly and say Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. But if they, if they really know football, of course they're going to say Tom Brady. Yeah. But <laughs> then, then my rebuttal is, who do you think is the best quarterback of all time before Tom Brady? They have no idea. You got crickets. And yeah. I said, okay. And I said, okay, what if I said Joe Montana? They don't know. They don't know. They know who, you know, they know Joe Burrow. Yeah. And they know Patrick Mahomes and they know Aaron Rodgers. But if I said Roger Staubach, if I said Troy Aikman, Terry Bradshaw, I mean, golly, you could go on and on and on. No clue. And so yeah. that's why I try to impart some knowledge of a long time mm -hmm. ago and say, look, this game didn't start five years ago. The people set the standard for this. I just um, sent a link to a buddy of mine. Uh, it's called the, the Evolution of the Quarterback. And somebody put a 45-minute YouTube video together of the greatest quarterbacks in certain trees. Who are the gunslingers? Who are the cerebral guys? Who are the team leaders? Who's the I mean, it is freaking awesome. But uh, I just try to teach because yeah. it's easy to turn on the TV right now and see, well, the Reds are in a weather delay right now. And everybody's talking about L.A. De La Cruz. And someone's going to say, well, he's the most hyped guy since Eric Davis. Who? Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Come on now. So you still think there's space for long-form journalism rather than these quick, quick snippets that, that's up, that we get today? There's space, but that space is dwindling. That I would rather be uh, – when I got – I saw my first true documentary – about something that I liked when I was a freshman in college, sophomore in college, Ken Burns did the baseball documentary on PBS. I watch it today and still take notes. Then I watched the civil war documentary he did because I'm a civil war aholic. Then I watched the jazz documentary he did. It took him a decade to put these together a decade, but people now just want to say, okay, well, okay, you got this. Okay. We're going to swipe over here. You got that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's good. Okay, good. Uh, now what? If you want to grow a tree, you can plant it, but you're going to have to water that sucker for a few years to see what you want to see out of it. And people are just, they have no patience anymore. And maybe I'm overly patient, maybe borderline lazy in terms of trying to not get caught up in the heat of the moment of all this stuff that goes on in the world. And I do, I, I admire Dick Gabriel so much, who used to be at WKYT. He did, a, he did a documentary, a long two-and-a-half-hour story on Adolph Rupp. Was he a racist? Was he not? The man, the myth, the legend, let's get it all out in the open. Fascinating look inside of a man that passed away in the mid-'70s that really only people know about by name now. 
I mean, he's almost a myth, like King Kelly Coleman, who passed away a few years ago, almost mythical, but not many people got to see him play. There is long-form stories. They're out there. And that's why ESPN, I love watching their 30 for 30s or the SEC stories. That That's a long-form story. It's not crammed into a minute and a half. You get to tell the whole stinking story and get people to sit back and say, that was really good. I did not I, know that. You talked about the importance of long form, but we got a couple of quick rapid fire questions for you. Oh, let's do it. All right. All right. What's your, uh, what's your favorite sport? Baseball. Come on, kid. Let's go. Favorite, favorite sports team, both professionally and college. St. Louis Cardinals. I grew up. My dad was a Cardinals fan. His father was a Cardinals fan. And the Louisville Redbirds were the AAA affiliate to the Cardinals. When I was a kid, my dad threw batting practice. So I'm on the field with Vince Coleman, Willie McGee, Andy Van Slyke, Tito Landrum, all these guys like, yeah, okay. Doesn't every 10-year-old get to take batting practice with Terry Pendleton? Yeah, I did. Um, they, they are, that's my favorite. Uh, there is something that I cannot get past college-wise with Notre Dame. I love if you've never been to South Bend to watch a football game, a meaningful football game, you have not lived yet. There is something special when they shake down, they, they shake down the thunder, man. I was like, oh, my yeah. God, wake, wake up the echoes. Well, yeah. oh, too much. <laughs> Who's your favorite athlete of all time? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I, I have too many to pick from. I know there are athletes I wish I could have watched. One of them being Ty Cobb, because he was allegedly just an animal. He had he he said once he said I have to be first in everything. Supposedly once he went, uh, one of his roommate on the road was a pitcher, and he left the game early, went back, and Cobb knew he was going back to the hotel, and he raced in there in full uniform, allegedly dragged him out of the bathtub and said I have to be first. <laughs> Dude, that's a that's a gamer right there. I, I would have loved to have seen him play. Willie McGee was one of my favorites growing up because he he was fast. He did not look like an athlete, did not play like an athlete. He was not the most attractive man in the world. You know, he's not going to be on the cover of GQ. But, man, he, he got a, a George Brett, another Willie Stargell. We are family, 79 Pirates, uh, another one of my favorites. But – we get to baseball. I could go on yeah. too much longer I'm, than you want me to be. I'm going to slip one in here. This is a loaded question. Who is your favorite sports overtime athlete ever? Well, <laughs> you know, my favorite guys won their regional championship games. Um, <laughs> I'm playing. <laughs> oh. oh, yeah, that's yeah. 42, 37. I remember that. Bates uh, <laughs> Creek. Gosh, that was tough. Got down so much and then come back to take the lead, I believe. Oh, anyway, gosh, I don't know. Sports over. Jared Parker was up there because that Lawrence County team in 99 was so dynamic. Whitley County played them in the first round of the 99 AAA playoffs, 3A playoffs. It was 40 to nothing after the first quarter and change. I thought, that's a good Whitley County team. And mm -hmm. Lawrence County's 99 team – 02 Breathitt County with their aerial assault in Jackson. Two of my favorite teams, Fleming Neon 2001. They hadn't been to a region final since 1966. 
and they tied Erlanger Lloyd in 1966, and they lost because Erlanger Lloyd had more first downs than them. That was the tiebreaker. Wow. Come on. Wow. Uh, but those are some of my favorite teams. The players are so many. I mean, there really are. On the girls' side, I used to love watching Andy Whitehead at Jackson County. She always had her little pigtails, and she's bouncing around her hair, and she's feisty. She's like, let's go, let's go, let's do this. She was uh, – I loved watching her play. Uh, Randy Napier's teams at Perry Central, and he, he admits it. I mean, I've never seen a more, uh, a more fiery guy who said things at that time that would, he would be fired for today, but they embraced it. And yeah. I thought, wow, they're embracing the way he's talking to them. That's a special player. And and Randy is even goes, yeah, I went over the board. I went over the line a few times, but dead gummit, I want to win. <laughs> and that's the that's the name of the game. Um, sports overtime teams and players, I could go on for decades about that. Favorite Eastern Kentucky coach. Ooh. In football, I would probably say only because of the relationship we had was Chuke Williams at Lawrence County. He didn't trust me in '99 or '98 when I first got. Kind of dabble a little bit, didn't trust me much. 99, he never talked to me. He made me talk to Tony Birch at the offensive line coach. In 2000, he goes, well, I guess you want to talk to me. And I was, yeah, yeah, I do. And that formed a pretty good relationship. Kenny Roark at Middlesboro, uh, both of these gentlemen have passed. And, but Kenny Roark was so good to me in 98 when they won the state title. And I was, I, I was in Middlesboro every Friday night, it felt like, in 98. Uh, was there for the state semifinal game against Beachwood and uh, was not there in Louisville the next week because I was in news at that time. I had not made the transition to sports full-time. You know, Dudley Hilton is always a character. I, he was something else, uh, still is. Steve Jewell at Corbin, he said something when he took over the Red House program for Mike Whitaker. He said, "I my job is to put Corbin football back on the map, the statewide map, and he did that. They went to the 02 state championship game and, uh, you know, Tommy Greer took him to the state finals last year. Justin Haddix took him a couple of times before that. And those are some great guys. Uh, J.B. Donahue at Harlan, Harlan Green, another guy who was just always pleasant to be around. My gosh, man, you're going to get me in trouble now if someone watches <laughs> this and they say, yeah, oh, you didn't say Somerset. You didn't say, you know. Uh, I'll, get you, I'll get you out of it with this question. Cornbread or biscuits? Uh, depend if beans are involved, it's cornbread. Otherwise, it's biscuits. <laughs> Big fluffy biscuits you can rip apart. Bojangles biscuits. Yeah, so, I've never heard of. <laughs> so answer this question, just because we ask everybody this question. Yeah, and I like to hear what people have to say. What What's the first thing that comes to your mind when you hear the word Appalachia? Home. It's a home away from home for me. For a guy born in Louisville. Who woke? Who had never been to Eastern Kentucky? I'd never been east of Lexington prior to my recruiting trip to go to Moorhead in November of '91. We played a high school basketball tournament or a church league basketball tournament in Grundy, Virginia, and I woke up under a train trestle that said Whitesburg, Kentucky, and I went, "Hmm, they've got very good basketball teams there. You know, good good girls basketball teams of the '80s and '90s." And little did I know. A decade later, I would be living in Whitesburg for two years. Little did I know that Eastern Kentucky would grab me and 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 hold me in a place that I, I get it why people go back to the mountains if they're from there. I get it. I didn't understand it at first uh, because Eastern Kentucky does have 
limited possibilities in terms of, you know, if you're not in the coal business, which is now not what it was over the last five decades, let alone the last decade, if you're not in banking business, such as Bojangles, or you have, uh, you're running Walmarts or a mall, uh, if you're not in a medical field, yeah, I can understand wh where the jobs can be tough to come by. I get that. But when the people invite you into their homes, not just because they turn on a stupid box to watch what's going on in the world, when they genuinely invest in you because you have invested in them, that's what Appalachia means to me. It is my second home. And in many ways, it is my home because um, my heart has never left. My head had to leave for better opportunities. But I tell you what, I, uh, I get emotional when I go to Powell County and I keep driving um, because that's the quickest way to get back to hazard. And when I see off in the distance, the mountains, I'm just like, man, like you can, it's like a warm blanket just putting around you on a cold day. It's like, yeah, this is going to be good. And when I get to London and take that left, and I know that Clay County is 20 miles away, the city of hope is 20 miles away. Right. I get excited, man. And uh, then if I have to go to Corbin uh, or, or Knox County, if I have to go to Harlan, I've been to Harlan each summer the last couple of years just to see some friends of mine. Oh, I just start thinking, well, there's Lynn Camp. I remember David Mitchell. They won that region title with Jimmy Chafin and the company. And uh, Quentin Henson was big running back in the 90s. And then you get to, you know, Knox Central. And I think of so many, I think of the Elams uh, that, that were there and and then, oh, yeah, by the way, here comes Pineville. And I think, oh, Delenn Klein had them a district title in 2000. I mean, it's just the memories start flowing through. And gosh, man, I don't know anyone that's ever been more blessed than me to be able to learn about a group of people that I really didn't know anything about. And to have these people still send me a, hey, saw you on TV, just want to say hi. That is the best but I've got so many things that just people have sent. I love that answer. And, and that's it, a large part of why, you know, we do this podcast to let people outside the region to just to understand the impact that the mountains have, not only on people inside the region, but can have on outside the region as well. But one other question that we also like to end with to ask people, you know, we ground our podcast on place and perspective and you kind of just answered this question, but just, where do you call home? What makes it home for you? What makes it unique? Was it in Rudy when he said home is where you hang your hat? You know, yeah, I hang my hat in Lexington now. That's where I live. But I love going back to eastern Kentucky because I know I have a home in just about any city in that region. If I, if I truly needed someone to help me, there's a couple of people I could call in Louisville but I've been gone from there so long. There's a, there's some, I tell people all the time, I have thousands upon thousands of acquaintances, but I, but I have a very small circle of friends. But when I go to Eastern Kentucky, if I needed something at Perry Central, I know about a dozen people that could help me and they would not want anything in return. If I went to Whitesburg, Neon, Pikeville, Prestonsburg, Allen, Kentucky, New Allen, Kentucky, Hindman, Jackson, London, it, that's what's great is to know that I have a network of people I could turn to in, in a moment of desperation or need or help. And these people would not say, well, remember I did this for you. Well, you're going to do something for me. That, that wouldn't happen because they know I would 
return that generosity a hundredfold if I could. You know, Adolf Rupp once said, and he used it all the time, turn mine eyes to the hills from which cometh my strength. And uh, that's just a great biblical verse that that uh, I think anybody should should dwell on and think about and and use because there's some great people in the mountains that have made me much greater than I ever would have been. It made me better than I ever would have been. And if it wouldn't for them, I'm, we're not having this conversation today. Brian, you know, thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, this conversation has actually meant a lot to me to hear not only the impact that the mountains had on you, but just your experience with the mountains, with Eastern Kentucky, and also in regards to media, you know, you spoke about trust and how important it is to have that trust, to build that trust for local media. So just thank you for sharing what you have shared and, and for being on the show. Well, you're more than welcome. And if I can ever help do anything, all you have to do is say when and where and, and what do you need? And, and, and it'll be done if I can certainly do it. And if I can't, I'll make sure that there's somebody that, that can. But I, I love telling stories about the people that I got to meet, uh, with those who are with us and those who are not. And because their memory is still with you. And if someone's thinking about you, you're never truly gone. And there's a trillion people that have, uh, that, and many I never knew that have helped shape my life. And, uh, you know, and, and Neil, your, your Friday nights was one of them. And whether you knew it or not, you and all the kids, then you're still my kid. I still say that all the time. Like, oh, he's one of my kids. And he's seven years younger than me. <laughs> but you guys shaped my life and took me places I would never would have been able to go without you. And so I thank you for what you did and, and the excitement that you provided. And, uh, and you didn't even know that you were making my Friday nights. You, you are one of the many that helped shape my career. So thank you. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Thank you for doing this. Hey, Will, my man, Brian Miley, bringing the gold. I told you he was a historian. You didn't believe me, did you? And he blew my mind with how much knowledge, just off the top of his head, how, how much information he has in regards to high school sports, especially in the state of Kentucky. It really is incredible. I guess you can accredit his dad, an old history teacher. Uh, he probably just ingrained that into his son. But to teach it to, to a kid and, and to have a kid that just, I guess, naturally picks it up, is amazing but brian's one of my favorite of all time and uh, i really appreciate him coming on the show with us really uh, always enjoy visiting with him seeing him talk to him and really listening to him tell stories to be honest yeah and i appreciate how he dove into the local news how important local journalism is you know we talked about that at the beginning of the show of how sometimes a lot of these stories don't get told don't get uncovered unless you have those local journalists on the ground. And one of the things that he referred to, the importance for him was to build that trust in those communities. Without that trust, a lot of times that local journalism just can't happen. And so supporting those local journalists is really important, I think, going forward, especially in the digital age. We have all these new media outlets, which we discussed with him, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. 
I appreciate that word trust that he kept using of, of the trust that he's built in these local communities over time. And he's really been a power in regards to local journal, local journalism, local journalists, and just local news throughout the region. He said it best, Will. It's all about those relationships that you build along the way that allows you to accomplish anything you want. Once you build relationships, you gain that trust. You can you can move mountains, uh, just like he did in his early days uh, in eastern Kentucky. That's a very good point. Speaking of the early days and how he um, has built his momentum in regards to his career, you want, do you have a uh, at biz of the week for us, Neil? Well, honestly, Will, I thought we would just highlight WYMT uh, over over in uh, East Kentucky. It's a television station in, in Hazard, Kentucky, that is an affiliate uh, of CBS, but it's a long, long-standing TV station there in Hazard, Kentucky that's been around for, gosh, Will, I don't even know how long um, – Seems like my entire lifetime. I should probably give you an exact date, but I don't know it. But WYMT is where people in the mountains of East Kentucky go for their news, for their sports, for anything related to their region. And Brian kind of started his career over there. So I thought we would highlight uh, WYMT today on today's episode and give them a shout out. We appreciate everything they do in East Kentucky. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad that we got to highlight WIMT on the episode with Brian, but also giving him a shout out. Also want to give a shout out to Tony Turner. He mentioned him as a, as a mentor that he had for many years with WIMT. Tony has since passed away, but he was a living legend there in the mountains with WIMT. Great outlet, great news source for the communities, just drilling home that, purpose of local news and how it's important to the communities there in East Kentucky and Appalachia. Couldn't have said it better myself, my man. We can end it like we usually do, Neil. Till next time. Peace. I'm up in the mountains again. I'm getting lighter. The air's getting thin. Now I'm facing down with a grin. I've been in the city too long Sidewalks and buildings and singing sad songs Now I'm back up where I belong In the mountains